Hi, welcome to the new year. <laughs> the first live stream of this 2010. Uh, how many of you are excited about new things in this year? Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, we, we discussed last year that uh, 2009, at least for me, and I've seen it with a lot of our families, and we talked about it in December, like this, that it was a year of preparation. We could all sense that God was cleaning up stuff in our life, bringing into us new paradigm shifts in our life. So our thinking process has changed. At least I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I've seen that 2009 has made radical shifts in my thinking, you know? Things that I would not think otherwise, you know? Uh, our worship experience has become much more richer. Uh, uh, our faith uh, is not really out there, but still it is better than we, before we entered 2009, you know? <laughs> but there is, uh, you know, some of our struggles we went through and I realized, man, our faith is so shallow, you know? Sometimes it's easier to preach than to apply. <laughs> God is good, and He's faithful for all of us, you know, and He is, He'll not leave us. And there's a reason we entered this year, it's because He likes us. <laughs> he wants us to be around, right? He wants us to be around. Uh, we are not occupying real estate for no reason. <laughs> there's a reason we are around here on earth. There is some stuff to do, and things to believe for. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm always excited about the word that God gives to this life team. I'm, you know, believe me, I don't come as prepared as I'm supposed to, but it's totally God's mercy that he always shows up with the right word for this life team. Uh, it's totally God. And, uh, and I was praying and I was asking God, Lord, what do you want us to learn during this season? And not during this season, this life team, this month. We know that, God, you have promised a lot of things. You have done great things in 2009, but 2010 is definitely a year of breakthrough, we are walking into a harvest, we believe I can sense it, it's going to happen. You thought 2009 was good, you wait till you hear 2010. Yes, for the world it might look darker, there might be horror stories, but to you, you all are people who are going to walk in revelation and light and victory. I totally believe in that, totally believe in that. And um, so I, could, I could sense the Spirit of God telling me, I don't want you to tell them more about new promises that they will receive because you know one of, one of our uh, ministry friends uh, he had sent us a newsletter and he was saying that around this time everybody gets the prophetic itch you know <laughs> 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 yeah, we are like declaring this is the year of that and this is the year of that and I, I, I and, and he having said that he went ahead and made some prophet <laughs> prophecies I think we, we all want to you know declare things over this year but what the Spirit was telling, telling us, tell them to contend for the things that have always already been promised to them. You know, I was like, wow, okay. So, and I thought, okay, that's just, just one line and I move on to the message. No, but it kept hovering. Tell them to contend. And interestingly, that is the word that is behind our stage in Carrollton campus. Six contend. And the T-E-N is highlighted as 10, 2010, you know. Kudos to the graphics of... <laughs> it has to be Stephen, right? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's incredibly creative in that. So content. Content for the things that God has already promised you. No new, no new great revelation, no new great prophecies. Man, just content. Content and fight for the things that God has already promised you. Do you feel that ringing in your spirit? Man, things, how much more revelation? 
How much more promises do you need? God has already prophesied over your life. God has already promised for you so many good things. Now believe and fight for it. And you will see it manifest this year. You will see it manifest this year. And truly believe you will see it manifest this year. Okay? So the t title of the message is, there's so much stuff to talk about. And this is a good message. I liked it because the stuff that you will learn today. So if you have your notes, take down. There's so many verses that you can go back. And they'll be talking about one aspect of God that not many people teach about. And you'll be, you'll be amazed when you go through it and you'll see consistently through Old and New Testament this aspect of God that we never saw. I mean, many of us have known about it, but we never manifested in our teachings. This aspect of God. What is this aspect of God? It's powerful. And you'll go through it, New Testament, Old Testament, you'll see it. God's character has not changed just because Jesus is here. He's just the same. He's just the same. He's not changed. He's just the same. So the title of the message is Do not let the year pass by. Or, I had a tough time. Or, do not let him pass by this year. But I would kind of stick with Do not let the year pass by. Do not let the year pass by. Why? And do not let the year pass by, but do one thing, content. If, if anything you take from this message is content, content, content. Last time we talked about, uh, not the, uh, how many of you like what God spoke last, the December life team? Jesus, your king. Jesus, your king. Man, it was powerful. Jesus, and I, and I can see that already getting, uh, getting real. And I could sense that God saying, I will only save those to whom I am a king. I have not come here to save the world. I have come here to save my people. You see the difference? Jesus means the, he will save his people. He will only save to whom he is a king. He does not save everybody. He only save who to whom he is a king. So he has not come here only as a savior. He's come here number one as a king. He is a savior to the ones who call him a king. Makes sense. He, we discussed that. He cannot be a savior to you if you do not call him a king. So that is why among all the titles that he wanted on the cross, the title that he chose to put on the cross was not Jesus the savior, was Jesus the king, the king of the Jews. So, so go back and study. He will save who he call, who he who calls him Lord? Every time in Jesus' test ministry, people called him Lord. There was a manifestation of a miracle, but the Pharisees called him a teacher. Pharisees called him a prophet. Pharisees called him son of Belzebub. You know, there was no manifestation of a miracle. It was the same Messiah, but the people who called him the son of David, it's people who called him Lord and worship. He, a miracle manifested. So what I'm telling is, we studied that Jesus was Lord. But more important than that is, we studied about in Matthew chapter, uh, before this session was the six mysteries in, mysteries in Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 to 23. We studied about uh, the mystery of the operation of the word of God. And last, last time we studied how the word of God operates in our life. And, and uh, I'll just run through the mysteries and we'll, we'll come, come to those sessions sometime later. 
mystery of the operation of the word of God, number one. Number two, mystery of the problem of evil. And I'm telling you, with, uh, uh, with uh, Haiti, this is a common question that will come up. Every time there's a catastrophe, the first thing is, why does God do this? You know? And you'll hear that more and more. Jesus answers that in that mystery of the problem of evil. Number two, three, mystery of the increase of the kingdom of God. How does the kingdom of God increase? Number four, mystery of the influence of the kingdom of God. Number five, mystery of the value of the kingdom of God. And number six, mystery of the eventual judgment. Jesus comes on the scene and solves some major mysteries that people never knew about the kingdom of God. But one of this is the value of the mystery of the value of the kingdom of God. And we studied last time, why does, why does Jesus talk in parables? We studied that. Can somebody answer, why did Jesus say so many parables? Was it to make them understand or was it to make them not understand? To, it was to make them not understand. It's exactly what, in fact, Pastor talked about. He said, the mystery was hidden so that the ones who only who wanted to know would find it. And of all the explanations that I found, one of the teachers, Miles Monroe, explained that perfectly. He said the reason God, he spoke in parables and he, he did not speak plainly is simply because God is a God of integrity. God is a God of truth. Like for example, I, I, this was a classic case. Uh, during New Year's, uh, New Year's and Christmas time, we get gifts from uh, our vendors and our subcontractors. I'm sure all of you, you know, your salespeople will bring in gifts for you all, you know. So what happens, uh, here was a classic case where a guy, uh, one of our good vendors, I've done a lot of business during the year, she brought me a classic uh, bottle of wine and he brought me some chocolates. So the moment I got the wine, I told him, hey, you know, I don't take wine. He said, no, no, no. So he was, he was a little embarrassed, you know, because you bring a gift and, then, and you know, then I said, no, he, he came with his, uh, with his uh, marketing colleague. I said, no, sorry, I can't take wine. So it's very embarrassing for somebody to return the gift. I don't know whether, how you feel. It was embarrassing for me. It was embarrassing for him. Then he said, no, 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 you don't want to take it. He said, no, no, why don't you give it to somebody? I said, I do not take nor do I give. <laughs> so, so, so I had to do it very politely because he's a nice vendor. So I told him, no, no, why don't you just take it, you know, give it to somebody else if you want to, but I don't want to give, you know. So I, but I'll keep the chocolates because my kids love chocolates. So, <laughs> so we've been getting chocolates, I told him, you know, Godivia and all that. <laughs> so, so the question is, now answer my question. So was the guy wrong in giving me wine? Meant well. Okay. So the fact that I rejected that gift, technically I did reject that gift, right? What does it reflect on me? Nothing. Nothing. What does it reflect on him? What does it reflect on him? Yeah. <laughs> In a simple way? What is that? He doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. Correct? So when he gives me a gift and I don't want it, 
what does it reflect on him? That he is less than God, correct? So if God does the same thing, how does it reflect on God? Don't you know that I don't need it? So God is not a God of integrity, right? You see the problem God faces? God has to give you a thing without presuming that you need it. So he speaks in parables. You, you see the problem that God has? God cannot presume that you need salvation. At the same time, God knows that you need salvation, but he cannot presume that you, you need it. In the sense that you will take it. So God will have the offer out there, but he will not push it on you. Or he will tell a parable, but he will not give it to you. But if you seek, you will get it. You see that? Because God is a God of integrity. A human can do it, but God cannot do it. Because it will make him less than God. That means God, don't you know that I don't want your son Jesus? So why are you giving me your son? So Jesus said, he who has hears, let him hear. So I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to push it. But at the same time, if you ask, you receive. So it's a very complex problem. God... So it's like, I love Jesus, I want to accept Jesus. So because I have want to accept Jesus, God says, I'm going to choose you. And therefore you will ask. It's very complicated it's because of a problem that God has, of a God of integrity. God is a God of integrity. Man can get away with that, but God cannot. Because it reflects on his divinity. It reflects on his integrity. So God gives parables all throughout the Bible itself. And that brings us to the whole point of Isaiah chapter 45 verse 15. I want you to write it down because this is one characteristic of God that you will be consistent throughout the Old and New Testament. Isaiah chapter 45 verses 15. Somebody can read that? Okay. Let me repeat that again. Truly, you, O God, truly you are God who hides yourself of God of Israel and Savior. It's a dichotomy out here. You're a God who hides yourself, yet you're a God who's called a Savior. See the problem? The same problem of the parables? You're a God who hides yourself, but you're a God of Israel and a Savior. How can he be a God who hides himself and yet is a Savior? Why? Why? How is he a God who hides himself and yet a savior? That's because it's one characteristic of God that is integral to his character. He is a God who wants to be sought. Let me repeat. He is a God who wants to be sought. He is a God who will hide himself so that you will seek him. Not that you should not find him, so that you should find him. You, you, have to know, you have to know this character of God. So in your, in, in your walk with God, and you have seen that, God has, there are prophecies that have come into you. There are promises that you and I have received over the years. But some of the, many of the promises do not manifest. And I've been asking Lord, why, why does it delay manifestation of certain promises? Why doesn't something that God, your promise to me, doesn't occur? The simple reason is, we do not value it as much to pursue it. If things have not happened in your life that God has promised to you for years together, let me tell you a very simple reason. 
The reason is because you do not cherish it, you do not value it, you are not pursuing it, you are not going after it. It's very simple, you do not value it. That's why one of the parables was the mystery of the value of the kingdom. Remember this, um, in that parable he talked about a man who found great treasure in a field. So he hid the treasure, went back with great joy and sold all that he had and came back to buy the field. Correct? Pastor talked about it. The treasure is hidden for whom? Why is the treasure hidden? Yeah. Correct. Pastor talked about two things. The treasure is hidden from you and from him. From whom? From the enemy and for you. So the treasure is hidden for you and from the enemy. If the treasure was available in plain sight, your enemy would steal it. Your promises that are in your life is hidden for your sake. But it is not for hidden for you, from you. It is hidden for you. Let me repeat this. I want you to get it. Write it down. The promises for you are hidden for you and not from you. For you and not from you. So the, the promises, that is why Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi could read the scripture and would not accept Jesus. He only accepted Jesus as a good man, if you read his autobiography. He read the whole, he was a great man, great righteous. But some of the, some, for a lot of people in the world, you can give a Bible, but the, the promises are as rich, as real, as it to you. But for them it doesn't make any sense. It's not because the language is in any different language. It's simply because it's not opened for them yet. That's what he said. We pray for spirit of revelation of this people of Haiti. Pray for revelation. Like when you're praying for an unbelieving member in your family, don't pray for anything more. Pray for revelation. Pray that what they read will quicken. That's all. It's hidden for you, not from you. So truly, God is a God who hides himself. God of Israel hides himself so that you will be sought. And that will solve a lot of... Let's look at the characteristic throughout the Bible. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 32. And you have a lot of ground to cover. So, I, so let's rush fast. Because we're not going to split it up into two sessions. We're just going to finish off the whole as part of this one session. Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 to 32. How many of you know the story of uh, Jacob wrestling with God? Amen. Amen. Let's go back to that passage. Genesis chapter uh, 32. We know the passage out there. You're not going to read this because we might run out of time. I'll pick up some of the keywords. And and verse 22, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven sons. So his twelfth son, who was his twelfth son? Trivia, trivia question. <laughs> Benjamin, Benjamin, and he's around here. <laughs> so Ben is here, so okay. <laughs> so Benjamin was the twelfth, and twelfth, uh, Benjamin was not yet born at this point of time. So he took his 12, 11 sons and cro crossed over the ford of Jabuk. He took them and sent them over to the brook and sent over uh, what he had. And verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and a man, capital M, 
in the in the Bible, capital M. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Right? Okay. Verse 26. And then this man, again capitalized, and he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, that is small he, that is Jacob. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you struggled with God and with men and prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, asked, saying tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is that that you asked me about my name? And he blessed him there. Wow, there's so much truth in this passage. There's so much truth. Let's start with a very basic question. Jacob, why was Jacob wrestling with the angel? Okay, let, let me rephrase the question. Why was there wrestling in the first place? Why was there wrestling in the first place in this passage? Why was there wrestling in the first place? Different spirits. He's, um, he's like a cheater. Jacob. Just wanted a what is he being a cheater got to do with the wrestling part of it? Why? What? Why is there wrestling in the first place? Why? Why is there not a discussion? Why is there not? Uh... He wanted a blessing. So why is there wrestling? I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot of passages where people are blessing each other on the Bible, but this is the only place where there is wrestling involved. Isn't it? I mean, the question is, why is there wrestling here? His brother's Okay, so 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 let's put it in plain language. Would be because maybe the guy was standing a little further away and he had a blessing. So blessing was not a lot an item. He was he needed the man to bless him. So so it was not like he was going to take something from close proximity from the guy. That doesn't appear from here. Maybe he so, had discernment. What's that? Discernment. Maybe he had discernment about this person that he was coming in contact. No, no. We are not we are not doubting the fact that he is. He recognizes that this person, whoever it is, is capable of blessing him. We don't know whether he's God, he's an angel, but he knows that he has a blessing that I need. Which brings to Anil's point that he has something that I need and I'm going to get it. Correct? So, but why is there wrestling? Rob? Anil? You want to <laughs> Like you only get blessed if you come on the top of the person? No, I'm so, so why is that wrestling? I mean, I don't understand why is that wrestling going around here. He's trying to cross the street because he sent the, the family. The, guy, no, he's, he's, the family's already gone ahead. He was, right to, he was praying, right? He was praying because he was going to meet his brother. I don't think he was praying. He was going to pray. Jacob was, was verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Why is there wrestling? Good question. So those are the questions you need to ask. Who started the wrestling? So who started the wrestling? So you think God started the wrestling out here? No, we know that this is God out here because subsequently in the passage we know it's God. So did God started the wrestling? It does say a man God wrestled with him. Yeah. So 
Who started? Who's initiating this wrestling process and why is there wrestling in the first place? Jacob started wrestling. Now I'll tell you why Jacob started wrestling. Why did Jacob wrestle with God? I mean, of all the people. <laughs> when if you have discernment, <laughs> when the, of all the people you don't wrestle with God. Maybe it was is like, it, okay, is it because of this nature of wrestling in the womb too with his brother? Yeah, he did wrestle. He didn't wrestle. He was speaking of. Uh, yeah, he, he wanted to steal. He wanted to steal. Yeah. That brings to a big interesting character of Jacob. But uh, you other guys are coming close, very close. So what is the answer? His personality. He's just my way or the highway. A collection. So what? If the guy would have given the blessing, he would have not taken it? I mean, he had to wrestle to get it? Yeah. No. Not necessary. Okay. So what is. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, so why was he wrestling? Was that? It was determined. Okay. So he was wrestling. So who initiated the wrestling? I think Jacob. Jacob is wrestling with God. Why is Jacob wrestling with God? Okay. The simple English. The fun part when you get too much theology. <laughs> The simple reason is here was God, he had come to visit Jacob and Jacob would have let him go. <laughs> God was telling, I want to go man. <laughs> I want to go. Jacob said, no, you cannot go. <laughs> so that's the reason for the wrestling. There's nothing, there's no theology about it. God wants to go. Right? He just wants to go. He's talked to Jacob, he's explained stuff to him about his future. but. But he was concerned about what he saw. He had a meditation. He knows everything. But he, God says, now it's time. I have to go. Jacob says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Welcome to the, it's like the mafia. <laughs> now you're in. No, I cannot let you go. You have to bless me. Then only you can go. You can go. But you have to bless me. God said, uh-huh. No, I have to go. He said, no, you cannot. I, you need to bless me. And this goes on all night. So why was he wrestling? Because God wanted to go. Simple. There's nothing more. It's very simple. If God said, no, I will bless you right away. What would have happened? There would have been no wrestling. The wrestling is there for a reason. The wrestling is there because God wants to just go. You know, never stop a guy who wants to go. <laughs> Until he blesses you. <laughs> okay. So the, the the so that brings to the whole picture is was did did not God want to bless Jacob? God wanted to bless Jacob, right? You think God came here for a, a siesta or a or a walk with Jacob? He visited him for just to say hi? No, God came there to bless Jacob, but God wanted to be sought. God is a God who hides himself and he wants to be sought. He will always pretend. But he, he doesn't, see, that, that's the problem with the English word. <coughs> pretend involves a deception, correct? But God doesn't deceive. He genuinely wants to be sought. So he is not going to hang around and wait until you wrestle with him, until you seek him. That is why Jesus said, the righteous take the kingdom of God by force. The kingdom of God is available, but it's only the righteous who will take it by force. Why? It's not. Wasn't the kingdom of God for the righteous? 
Yes, but you have to force your way in. You have to force. Why? That's because God, again we bring, bring to the whole point, God is a God of integrity. He cannot presume to think that Jacob, just because I visited you, that you, you want me to bless you. You have to show me that you want me. Got it? That is one of the major reasons why we have not progressed in our believer's life. We have promises that have been stagnating for 40 years now for me. You know? God is saying, rise up and walk. Enough of revelation. Enough of revelation. Rise up and walk. Believe and pursue me and take of me what rightfully belongs to you. There is a season and there is a time that is coming upon the church and I believe it is right now. This year and these coming years that are coming, he's asking the church to rise up and take what rightfully belongs to them. No more waiting for revelation. No more waiting for things that have already been promised. And here, this is a time as such that the years of breakthrough are ahead. But now we need to go ahead and possess. Amen? You are, he's a God who hides himself. And interestingly, God asked him, what's your name? Jacob said, Jacob. And God said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, you shall be called Israel because you struggled with God and prevailed. You know, God wants you to prevail with him. God wants to be, he wants you to seek him and see, find him and you, you, will, you will definitely find him and you will prevail. And that changed the destiny of Jacob. Can you believe if he had let God go that evening? His destiny would have not come to pass. God had come prepared to bless him, correct? But God wanted him to fight for it. Not fight because of his righteousness, no. But look at it, God, Jacob, I, if there's one term that belongs to Jacob, is because he's a blessing chaser. He was chasing blessing all the time. Remember, he was chose, uh, he stole the birthright from Esau? And God, Hebrew says that he's, he's, he's righteous, why? While Esau got hated. Why? Because Esau despised his birthright. I want you to go there. This is, and I want you to write these uh, verses down. Because these are so powerful. Genesis chapter 25 verses 31, 32, 33, 34. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same stew. Because it looks like the guy has been eating the same thing for many years. <laughs> for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. So he was even, he even had his name, his name after a soup. <laughs> now Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. I mean, that's a hyperbole. <laughs> He's not about to die. What is this birthright to me? There, that's a revelation on the character of Esau. What is this birthright to me? Then Jacob made him swear, swear to me as of this day, and he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And look what happened after he ate. He got a soup. And verse 34, and Esau despised, thus Esau despised his birthright. Thus, why is the word thus there? No, it is not after. This is, how. this is how he despised his birthright. By his action. 
So it was not like he he ate a soup and he had a sudden revelation on how valuable the birthright was. No, 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 no. He still does not have any value of birthright. He's the Bible, the author Genesis. The author of Genesis says this is how he despised the birthright by selling it off for a bowl of soup. Bowl of soup. Why? Why is that? Why do? Why do you think Jacob was fighting for birthright? That birthright did not give him anything material, physically. Esau. I mean, Isaac was was about to die. He was a hairy guy. And, I mean, he 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 was uh, he was a man of who dug wells. It was not like he had a great inheritance to pass on. Nothing, but he had something that he could pass on. What was that? Blessings. The blessing. And at that time, he did not have any properties. Nothing, but he had a blessing. But Esau, for his, so he, for, so Esau physically did not see any inheritance that Isaac yeah. had. So he said. What is its use of this birthright to me? Give me the soup. At least I can taste it and I can see it. <laughs> Amen. But Jacob saw beyond what he could actually see. He saw birthright, a privilege, an authority in the spirit that everything in the natural will bow down one day. Amen. Amen. And that is what you and I have right now. You have promises that are incredibly valuable that the natural eye cannot see. And therefore, let your natural eye be a liar. We talked about it last time. We said, I, Roma, that verse is all misquoted so often. I has not seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him, but He has revealed it to our spirit. So only your spirit can know those blessings. It's only your spirit that knows your blessings. And as Jacob knew it. Jacob said, I want the birthright. And guess what happened? He got the birthright and look at his, his whole trajectory of his life and his generations changed. He had 12 children. <clears throat> Suddenly he, he, he multiplied. We don't see Esau multiply. But he, we saw Jacob multiply. We saw he walking in prosperity. He went into Laban. And Laban, he, he prospered from every season he prospered. And in fact... Jacob, uh, in uh, verse Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 to 12, when he's afraid to meet Esau, he, uh, God, Jacob reminds God of his promise. Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 to 12. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the God who said to me, return to the country and to your family and I will deal well with you. So he's reminding God, God, hey, I cannot be killed. Why? You have promised me that I'm going to be, it will going to be well with me. And then he, then he goes on to say, verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of your mercies and of the truth that you have shown me. For I crossed over this Jordan with one staff and now I've become two big companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children, and mother with the children. And then he continues to pro ask, remind God of his promises. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. Wow. See, Jacob, guy is not even feeling righteous about him. He knows that he's, he's a deceiver. His name is not changed out here, right? But he knows one thing. I got my birthright and I have my God who's promised. I don't care about my righteousness, but God, you promised. I didn't ask you to promise. You showed up and you promised. So you make it happen. See, that's what God likes. 
He doesn't want you to dwell on your righteousness when you come before Him. He wants, He surely wants you to dwell on the promises that God has given Him. So you just go after God. Don't take no for an answer with God. Because maybe He's just testing you to see whether you will persist in your prayers, whether you will persist in your fastings, whether you will persist in your supplications. Don't give up. Persist. Because if He has promised to you, it will happen. Don't change yourself. I mean, oh, because that, that guy's children died. Or that guy, auntie was a righteous guy, but she died. Or, the Romans says, let every man be a liar and let God be true. Amen? Amen? Don't change your theology based on your experiences. Let God's character be abiding. Don't change. I'm telling you, even the other day I was ministering to some, the servant of God who had come. And he was talking about, you know, how he should not be healed and how he cannot be healed and how he is suffering because it's a burden from God. And I was like, please do not say those things. Because I, I, I was telling him, I said, brother, I have been, I've seen too much to know that what you're saying is not true. I've seen too much. God is a God of goodness and mercy and he will never. And then we prayed and then he called back later on and he said, I feel much better. The same God, you know. Praise God. I mean, the thing is, do not change your theology to meet your mediocrity. Do not change your theology to meet your mediocrity. Let God be God and let every man be a liar. Do you want a verse for that? Do you want a verse for that? Let God be God and every man a liar? Where is it? It's in Acts chapter... Uh, I think it's in Romans. Romans chapter 3 verse 4 you will run into as a believer you will run into people who say no 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 no. but that guy is a believer and he believed and it did not happen Romans chapter 3 verse 4 always quote Romans chapter 3 verse 4 but that man was a man of God but his child died Romans chapter 3 verse 4 let every man be a liar and let God be true if God has promised he's not going to change it so I don't care what happened to your father. I don't care what happened to your grandmother. I don't care what happened to your auntie. I don't care what the experiences of anybody. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. I'm going to hang my coat on it. And I'm going to hang everything that I have on it. I'm not going to believe what you say. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. See, the moment you do that, your circumstances start changing. You start believing in a God of victory and power. I'm telling you, you will see it. I've seen it in my life. My paradigm has shifted so much. From there, what I used to preach before, <laughs> I, would, I used to preach with the same zeal. You know? <laughs> Sometimes stuff that I know were not, I, I thought was true. Just like Paul said, I preached with the same zeal, the law of God. And then, now when I walked into the full wisdom and revelation on what God is, wow, wasted years. Amen? Wasted years. Do not walk in wasted years. Do not walk in wasted years. So he was a blessing chaser. He loved his blessing. I remember there's one song that we sing in the church. Uh, every time we sing that, I'm like, man, it sounds good, but it's not necessarily true. Uh, we don't want blessing, we want you. Oh, no. And I was like, who oh, written that song has good motivations, but got wrong theology? Yeah. Because I, when, so me and Milo, every time we sing that, we want your blessings, we want you. That's how I pray. Why? Because that's the, the one who write, wrote that song has a poor understanding of blessing. That's false humility. 
that Lord, I don't want your blessing. I want you. Please, wake up. We changed it in church. Thank you. Please, covenant character needs something changed. We don't say. We say not just your blessings, but you. Yes, please. So it sounds so nice and beautiful in the heart. We don't want your blessing. We want you. You are the blessing. You are the blessing. You are the blessing. God cannot change His character. I'll tell you why. I I'll tell you why. See, so so the first time I preached, my Holy Spirit was like, "Wow, what are you saying, buddy?" Nice. <laughs> So the Holy Spirit, like the Holy, see that's what that's the advantage when you have the Holy Spirit as your teacher, and let no man teach you. So he said, there's no need for a man to teach you because the Holy Spirit teaches you, right? He will teach you, man. He will, he will immediately kind of tell you, you know, that's good, 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 good. So I was so happy. So I, I, I thought, Lord, should I say this? And I said, yeah, the fact that you all guys all feel the same thing, that's good. You know, advanced in pre learning, right? You know, walked in revelation and power, which is good. Amen. Okay, why did I say that? So the angel asked him, what was your name? And he said, Jacob, and he said, I'm going to change your name. And look what Jacob asked the Lord. What, is, what did Jacob ask the Lord? What is your name? Why? Why? I mean, the guy's got his blessing. No, guy's not got his blessing yet. Guy's not got his blessing. He just said, I'm going to change your name. So what did Jacob say? What's your name? Tell me your name. No, why is he asking his name? Wow, this is revelation that you will love. Why is Jacob asking God his name? Correct. But what does that mean to him? Right. See, Jacob knew that many of us don't know that God's name is a name not unto himself but unto you, God's name is a blessing. Why? Let's take all the names of J J uh, uh, God. Yahweh, Jireh means what? God is your provider. Yahweh, Nisi, what? God is your banner. Yahweh, Mekedesh means God who sanctifies you. Yahweh, Rofe means God who heals you. Yahweh, Shalom, God is your peace. Yahweh Sikenu, that means God who is our righteousness. Yahweh Rohi, that means God is your shepherd. Yahweh Shama is a God who is there for you. He is El Elyon, a most high God. He is Elohim, the almighty God. Mighty for whom? Mighty for you. Hallelujah. So God's name is a name for you, brothers. And sisters, God's name is a name for you. So when you, when He declares a name for to you, it's not a name for His own self pride and prestige. It's a name for you to hang on, right? So you, when you have a difficulty, you can say, "Lord, you are Yahweh Rofe. So you have to heal me because your nature is to heal. How can you put diseases? You have to heal. It's your name. You are a shepherd, so I cannot walk in light darkness. You have to lead me. You are Yahweh Rofe." Amen? Amen. 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 He is he is Yahweh uh, means the Lord of hosts. That means he'll fight your battles. He'll fight your battles. He is Yahweh Maka. He's a smiter. That he will smite your enemies. Or he will smite you into a shape that will fit into the church. So he'll mold your character. Amen. 
he is Yahweh Gamola means he's a God who will recompense recompense for good and for evil because he will recompense every seed that you have sown in the kingdom amen and he will recompense your enemies so you don't have to fight your battles in corporate life relax don't go back to your boss and say you have been unfair let God fight that amen because he is Yahweh Gamola amen have you ever used Yahweh Gamola in a press? No. He's Yahweh Gamola. He's a God who will recompense you. So never. So that's why he says, vengeance is mine and I will repay. You do not handle vengeance, brothers and sisters. Do not hold unforgiveness in your life to anybody. Let God handle that. That is dangerous territory that shuts you out. So let God handle it. Amen. He is Yahweh Elohe. Means he is God, your God. Ah. He is Yahweh Elohim. He is Yahweh. He is God, but He is our God. Amen? So yeah, Jacob is saying, tell me your name. Tell me your name. With your name, I will tell, I can know what is that for me. See, Jacob, uh, Samuel said, is good. He is in it for himself. Amen? I am in it for myself, brothers. With God, I am in it for myself because He is my God. Without Him, I cannot do anything. He is my source and I cannot live without Him. Amen? So I want to know what is in it for me because what is your name, O oh Lord? What is your name? Wow. And what happened when he asked him his name? The angel, uh, God blessed him. That's what he was looking for. God blessed him. Blessed him with what? Blessed him with his name. Blessed him with his name. He said, I am the Lord that he does. It's not written here, but it is written in a different place. Moses asked God, God, show me your glory. And God said, I will not only show him my glory, but I will declare my name. And you know which is the name that he chose to declare with Moses? Write it down. I mean, I don't have time. You don't have time to go, but go back and check. Uh, Exodus chapter 33. Read the chapter. He declared his name. He put him in a rock and he said, you cannot see my face and survive. And we know that no man has ever seen God face to face because Jesus said, no man has seen my father except me. So we know that nobody has seen God. Even Jacob did not necessarily see him face to face. Maybe it's a manifestation of somebody, but not necessarily a deity, but not God face to face. Though he says, I saw God face to face, not in his full countenance. No, because he says nobody can look at him and survive. And he said, I will declare my goodness. And the name that Moses, God declared before Moses was, I am a God of everlasting love. I am a Lord of loving kindness. And, and he declares all the goodness. Can you imagine of all the names that God has to declare, he declares all his loving mercy and goodness. And every time we talk about God, we always think of God as being exceedingly cruel and judgmental. But the name that he chooses to declare before men is a God of everlasting love. Amen? He's a God. He's a God who loves you. Okay. Exodus chapter 33. I don't have the verse, but... Can you can quickly go there, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, 34. Verse 6. Yeah, verse 34 and then, and the Lord, uh, verse 6. And the, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgression and sins, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and on the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So much of his goodness and love he declares as his name. Amen? 
Okay. We have we have we have stuff to uh, go. There's so much more, and I, I don't want to break it up into two two sessions. So I want you to just write it down in your notes. Abra uh, Abraham, Genesis chapter eighteen verse two. What are we What are we talking about? A God who wants to be sought. A God who wants to be sought. A Genesis chapter eighteen verse two. Remember, Abraham stood at the, the door of his tent and he looked up and he saw three men coming, right? And what did Abraham do? I want you to go to Genesis chapter 18 verse 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18 verse 2. The reason I'm taking time to go through all of these passages is because it has to sink in your spirit. Because this, this is the key to victory, to progress in your believing life with Christ Jesus. Genesis chapter 18 verse 2. And the Lord appeared by him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw, he ran from his tent door to meet him and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Look at the verse. What is he saying? Do not pass me by. Do not pass me. So he, God came visiting Abraham, but Abraham ran there and said, Do not pass me by. Why was he saying, Do not pass me by? Again, the same question. Why was he saying, Do not pass me by? What is the English answer? The plain English answer. Why was he saying, do not pass me by? No. No, no, no. Why was Jacob wrestling with God? Because he wanted to go away. Why was Jacob, Abraham saying, do not pass me by? They were walking away. Brothers and sisters, you all have to get this in your spirit. God is not walking to you. He is walking. But you have to go to him. He wants to be sought. He is going to slow down for you. But he is going to keep walking. I want you to get it in your spirit. Just because you are a believer doesn't mean that you know. You just get all the blessings. Yeah, that's why we are still there where we are. We are blessed. We are promises. But you have to seek him. You have to fight for him. So Abraham saw the three men. They said, do not pass me away. Why? They were ready to pass him away. And he said, no, 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 relax. No, hang in there, come here. Because he knew this was not just three men. This was, this was God. Oh, wow. See, when you have spiritualized your discernment, you know when God is there. When God shows up, right? He shows up in flesh, right? Most of the time, he shows up in flesh, in the voice of a flesh. And you, and you, so what do you do? Look at his words. I want you to look at his word. Look at his response. Verse 6. So Abraham what? Hurry. Why is he hurrying? <laughs> it's not like they are waiting for him. I thought they were coming to bless him. Correct? No, no, no. They were passing by. But the opportunity to be sought is always there. Right? He gives you the opportunity to be sought. But you have to seek it. So Abraham hurried. He told Sarah. And said what? Quickly. Quickly. Why? Don't take your 
<laughs> Thanksgiving cooking time for this. <laughs> quickly, quickly, just three loaves. Come on, come on, Sarah. You can do it. Just three loaves. Make ready three. I mean, thank God it's Sarah, right? <laughs> like some of her. Come on, shut up. And I mean, you do, you don't even tell me in advance before this guy comes. <laughs> Hello. Really? I'm there looking. <laughs> Quickly, make three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Then he ran to the herd, took a tender, good calf, gave it to a young man and what? And he hastened. Who hastened? Who hastened? The young man hastened to prepare the kid. Why are they all running? Why is Sarah jumping? Why is the young man running? Why is, why is there so much panic? Why? God is not going to hang around. He wants to know that he is valued. I want you to get this in your spirit. God is not waiting on you on your quiet times. He is a, he is a God of privilege and authority. He is not so desperate for your fellowship. He is all sufficient by himself. Amen? He is all sufficient. There is no need in him. But it's you who needs a need and he wants to be know that he's valued in his presence, right? And he will. And you, you need to show value in your life to God. Amen? Rush, hurry, show zeal in your life to God. Amen? Amen? So Ben, Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm sorry, I, had, I couldn't pass that by. <laughs> I couldn't pass that by. Okay. He's okay. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the story doesn't end there. Look at this, what happens. Verse 18. So then, and, and then what happened? They brought him into the, then they gave him food and what happened? They get the promise. The promise of Isaac. This is where he said, you will have a son this time next year. Amen. Wow, they would have missed that. They would have missed every, all the victory that would have come. Amen. Amen. He sought God. See, they came prepared to bless him. But it appeared that they were going to leave. And it was. If Abraham would have not rushed, he would have come back for a different season. But you would have wasted years waiting for the next visitation of God. Do not lose the day of your visitation. Amen? Amen. And then, they guess what? They were on a mission not only to bless Abraham, they were also on a mission to bless him. Bless Sarah, but also to verse 16. Then the men rose from there and went towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them away. And then the Lord says, should I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And then says about what? That I am going to? He doesn't say I am going to destroy Sodom. In fact, it doesn't say that. It said that I am going to go and look what they have done. And see all that what that's been said about them is it true or not? Okay? Verse 22. How many people were there? How many people came to meet? Three. Three, correct? And he knew that God was in the midst of it, correct? Because okay, three men. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there. Who turned away? All the three? No. Two. The two angels. The two angels turned away from them. So what happened to the Lord who is standing there? Keep looking. I, I don't know if you ever read that passage before. Keep looking. Read it. It says, 
Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Why? What does it show? Now they were ready to go, right? But Abraham would not go leave God. God wants to go again. Abraham says, no, 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 no. I mean, I like the fact that you know, want to know everything about Sodom. Even I know what you are thinking. Why? You want to kill them, right? So God, Abraham is not ready to let God leave. I mean, they want to go. The two angels are already left. God is hanging around. Why is God hanging around? Because Abraham is saying, I'm not going to leave. Lord, I have a problem out here. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And God said, "Mm -hmm." so what are you saying? So he said, if there are 50, will you destroy? Will you have 20, will you destroy? And finally he comes to 10. And then verse 33. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. Wow. Do you see that thing? Man, Lot would have been destroyed had not Abraham persisted. Do you see that? His nephew would have been killed had not Abraham persisted. How do you know that? I want you to go to verse 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered whom? Abraham. Why is God remembering Abraham when he's destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? No, no, no. What does it say here? He says, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. So God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. Because who was Abraham interceding for? For Lot. But Lot, Abraham didn't know how many righteous are there with Lot. So he thought Lot has done a great job of evangelizing. So at least that would be at least 50. So our man is just barely hanging on with his two daughters. <laughs> because even his son-in-laws are not in the Lord, right? But God had mercy and God saved Lot. Can you imagine if Abraham had not persisted and not hang out? And the moment Abraham finished speaking with God, God said, That was it. It's about time now. I need to go. Why? What does it show? God is ready to do incredible things for you if you're ready to persist with Him. Do you see that thing? Do you see it in your spirit? You need to, man, your, your daily, everyday lifestyle is not going to connect with God when it comes to great things for God, right? If you want to have great victories, you need to persist. You need to wrestle. You, it is good that you have the blessing of God over you, but that doesn't mean a scotch. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Let me go, go back to Isaac. Isaac's life. Genesis chapter 25. Wasn't Isaac the blessed? Wasn't Isaac blessed? Yes? Didn't God promise Abraham that his descendants will be as multitude as the sand of the sea? Yes. But did you know that Isaac was barren? His family was barren for 20 years. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 25. Verses 20 to 21. Genesis chapter 25. 
What does it say there? Now, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife and was 21. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And God granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And when did he get his child? Verse 26. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore it. So how many years passed before Isaac had a child? 20 years. 20 years living under a promise? What was God waiting for? If Isaac was already blessed, why was Rebekah barren? He didn't persist. He didn't pursue God on his promise. You know what? Jacob was pursuing God on his promise all the time. He said, you're a God who will multiply. You're a God who will make me a descendant. I want the birthright. I want my birthright. I want my brother's birthright. You know, I mean, the guy was persistent. He wouldn't let go. I mean, he was wrestling with God and the angels and people and men. And he wanted everything that he had. But Isaac was happy, right? But when it went... Till the point maybe Rebecca said, what's up man? Get on your knees and pray for me. And Isaac said, Lord, please, for the sake of my wife, get me a child. Pray for my wife. The moment he prayed, what happened? You had a child. You see, the promise is there. But you need to persist. You need to ask God because he's a God who hides himself. Just because you, your parents are blessed and your promises are upon you and the prophecies are upon you doesn't mean anything. You need to pursue God's promises and walk for it. Then it will happen. It will manifest. So don't keep telling year after year that Lord, you are promised but it does not happen. No. The problem is not God. The problem is you. The problem is me. We are the ones. So it, it, is, it is deep. It is the truth. God is a God who wants to be sought. Fight after God's promises. Let him know that his promises are valuable. Do we have time? No? We have a little bit more time, but I want you to close it. So even if you don't, you're not able, if you can just take notes, that's fine, you know? Wow. There's so much more. But I want you, I, it won't do justice to me without getting into the ministry of Jesus. So you said, Anil, that is great. That is in the Old Testament. God is a God who wants to be sought. But in the New Testament, I have under grace. So God goes extra mile for me. No, my brothers and sisters, God does not change. He doesn't change. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, verses 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Okay. I want you to go through this passage quickly. Okay. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone came to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Correct? Mm -hmm. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, but let me first go and bury my father verse 60 
Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, but I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to all who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you have read that passage before? You know that passage, right? I was reading this passage during the Bible study. And I was asking this question, Lord, I know, I, I get your point. You need to be sought, right? You're not going to presume that we need you. We need to be sought. And, that, and that's what we will do. But here is a guy who said, I will follow you. And you said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Lord, how can you not allow him to follow you? I've asked this question many times in my past, a lot of times. Many times I've come across this passage, I've always asked, Lord, why did you not ask this guy to follow you when the guy said, I want to follow you? Right? How many of you have gone through that passage before? That he won't say, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says to him, what does Jesus say? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to let. And I was asking God, Lord, why are you not allowing him to follow you? Because, aren't you, did you say that all who labor, let him come and I will give you rest? So aren't we supposed to follow you and you are the Lord who gives rest? So why are you not allowing this person to not follow you? You know, God was... And God was telling me very clearly. And you know, it's amazing. It's so great when he, to, when he told me, when he tells you something in the spirit, right? He's telling you, Anna, where did you read that I told him not to follow me? Wow. Do you see that? Do you see in this passage where he said, do not follow me? And I'm saying, Lord, that is true. You never told in this passage, do not follow me. So what did Jesus tell him? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his rest. So what is he telling him? So he's telling him, I have a mission. I have a calling. I'm not going to just relax. I'm going to go. Are you willing to come? So the calling is not that I don't want you to come. I'm telling you, count the cost. But come! Come! I want you to come. But I want you to... So the next question this guy should have asked was, Lord, I don't care. I will follow you. Right? See, he did it. He stopped. He left. So who told you that I told him not to follow? God was telling I was like, no, Lord, no, no. I never read that. I never read that. Why? Because I want you to follow. But... It is not going to be just because it's out there. I want you to persist beyond the first question. Correct? So look at the next question. He asked another, follow me. Let me first go and bury my father. What did he say? He said, no, wait. I want to first bury my father. Not that his father is dead. He said, eventually when my father will die, I will bury him. Then I will follow you. God said, okay. Next question, brother. So he asked another guy. He said, and to another he said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to all who are at my house. <laughs> okay, that is reasonable. Man, the guy is going to leave God, his house for full-time ministry and he said, let me at least go and say goodbye to my 
Your parents, he said, no, 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 relax. No, you don't even bother. You know, I'll call somebody else. Yeah. Wow. You thought the character of God has changed from the Old Testament to the New? It has not. If you are not valued enough to leave and join immediately, you do not value at all. He said, don't bother. You just hang in there. You will be saved eventually, but don't follow me now. You know, don't come out to me. Why? Look at the verse next verse. Verse, chapter 10. It's all one passage. And after these things, Lord appointed 70 others also. So what was he doing? He was appointing a 70 tribe. Three people missed their calling in the 70 tribe. They missed their calling for stupid reasons. 70. And you know what the 70 saw? They saw the lame walk, the dead raised, the spirits obey them. Remember, this is the same passage that Jesus rejoiced when they came back with great reports. Man, they saw ministry like, man, you would lose everything to see that ministry. Amen? When Jesus calls you for his ministry, when Jesus is putting a call on your life, when Jesus is asking you to do incredible things, come on, give him the excuses or even the second hand. Do not give him, value him. He wants to be valued in your life. Amen? Amen. He's a God who wants to be sought. He's a God who wants to be sought. I want you to go to Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 6 verse 45. Write it down. I'm telling you, you'll, I want you to write these verses down. Because this, is, this shows the character of God. Mark chapter 6 verses 45 to 48. Can somebody quickly pick that? Mark chapter 6 verses 45 to 48. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 48. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed to do the good. Amen. Look at that. I mean, Jesus is out here. He's praying, correct? His disciples are out, out in the sea. The disciples cannot see Jesus because he's out up in a mountain. There's no way they can see each other. But Jesus is seeing in his spirit, right? He's seeing that they are in trouble. So he wants to give them an opportunity to be? No. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. He wants to save them, correct? But remember, God is a God of integrity. He doesn't want to presume that you want to be saved. So what does he do? He walks on water. Man, he will walk on water for you. But yet he will pass you by. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, he's out there in the mountain. He sees a guy in trouble. He goes all the way on the water walking. That was never done in the history of man. But yet, when he comes close to the boat, he passes. He wants to pass them by. Why would he want to pass them by? Lord, are you crazy? What, what, so what do the disciples look at him? For they all saw him and they were troubled. And immediately, and verse 14, and when they saw him walking on water, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Now the problem for them was not the waves, it was the ghost. 
<laughs> you see how problems shift, right? Now they just want to get away from the ghost. Now they don't want the waves. But they did something that caused Jesus to speak up. What? What was that? He cried out. They said, Jesus! <laughs> so they were saying, Jesus, save us from the ghost! <laughs> yeah, they were not crying out to ghost, you know, please. They were terrified of the ghost. They said, Jesus! And Jesus said, here I am, boy, I am, I am, I am. Oh, oh, boy, you, so you are the ghost. Okay. <laughs> That's better. That's better. Now everything is fine. Now you can come in. So, so what about the waves? Okay, the waves is not a problem. Because the moment they got in, the waves ceased. In the different passage, it says, the waves, yeah, it's verse 51. He went into the boat and the wind ceased. What's the question? Why did he pass him by? He's not going to presume that you need to be saved, that you need to grow in the Lord. You need to pursue Him. He gives you the opportunity to be rescued and to grow and to do incredible ministry. But you need to pursue Him, brothers and sisters. You have to. I mean, that is. You will spend your rest of your life and you will occupy real estate on the earth and die. And you'll be gone, but you will not do the incredible good works that God had prepared. See, that's the best part. God has prepared incredible things for you, prepared for your ministry here on earth. But you can, you can walk by everything and just be saved if you're not willing to get him. Get him. He's not going to push it on you. He's not going to push it on you. You can have a mediocre life and that's fine. You're going to get to heaven, fine. But he's not going to, you're not going to walk into the incredible 70 ministry that you and I are called for. Amen? Amen? Amen. You thought it is done? No, it's not done. <laughs> I want you to get going. There's a, a few more verses and then we'll close. Okay? I want you to go to John chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. Remember the, the first miracle of Jesus? What's the first miracle of Jesus? John chapter? Okay. Let's go there. John chapter? 2. You know the story about the water, the wine running out. And verse 2, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to him, Her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So what is Jesus doing here? Wow, Can, do, you see the, do you see the picture of God out here? It's the same God. Yes. He's saying, what does that concern have to do with me? Right. It is not, I don't need wine, I'm happy. Right. Right. It's your concern, what does that to do with me? Okay, my time has already come. Mm -hmm. My time has already come. So what did Mary do? What did Mary do? And the mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Why? He say, I'm not going to take no for the answer. I'm not going to say no. I know Jesus too much. I know him too much. You just do whatever he says. I told him my problem. I'm going to believe now. I'm going to believe that everything is going to be well. Amen? Amen? So that's what you do. Don't worry about what, what your circumstances are. You just say, Lord, I pray. I'm not going to take no for the answer. 
Amen? I'm going to persist. And man, water will turn wine for you. Amen? And he says, fill it up. And God, the first miracle in Jesus' ministry happened because of a persistence and faith of his mother Mary. Nothing moves God. Nothing draws from God except faith and persistence. Nothing. Nothing. Don't give me excuses. Don't tell me others did not get it, therefore you cannot get it. No, 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 no. Persistence and faith can break through everybody. It can send a Messiah to change his timing. It will change it. Okay. You want some more? Yeah. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. <clears throat> now Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman from Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, Lord. For she cries after us. But he answered and said to them, I am not, nay. He said to them, yes. He said to the disciples, like pretty much. He answered and said, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said to her, now, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, that is true. Yet the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Wow! Wow! Do you see that? Do you see that? A non-covenant woman who has no part in the covenant right now because Jesus' ministry is not done to the Jews yet. It is not yet open for the Gentiles. It was opened on the day of Pentecost for the Gentiles. But it is not yet open for the Gentiles right now. It is not open. It is not open. Jesus is saying, this is not for the Gentiles. It is for the children of Israel. It is not good to give the bread that belongs to them to them. What does the woman say? True Lord, true. You see, that is the best part. The woman did not dispute Jesus' theology. <laughs> it did not. Most of us get caught up. Lord, but this is this and that is this. No, 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 no. Agree with what Jesus says. And then some more. Seriously. I'm sorry about that. But agree with Jesus. What God tells you, just agree with him. Because you know, Romans chapter 3, verse 4. What does it say? Let every man be a liar and let God be true. I don't understand the theology that you're talking. Are, are you trying to say I'm a dog? Are you trying to say that I'm less? Man, this is such a politically correct environment. If Jesus would have said this in this time, you'd have been on front page news, right? The teacher from Galilee calls the minorities dogs. Yeah. But the girl was saying, Dude, you may be right. You are right, Lord. Everything is right because I know you are true. So when you face a situation in your life and you don't understand about God, 
First thing you say is, God, you are correct. I am a sinner. I have got it wrong. It is not my theology that is... My theology is a problem, not yours. Don't doubt God's promises when things don't happen to you. Just believe Him. Just leave it. Leave it to Him. You are true Lord. I like that. Can you say, it's you Lord. But at least even the crumbs. At least the dogs get the crumbs. You know, I was, I was meditating on this passage today. You know, I could, I could see in the spirit. Can you imagine your small daughter, demon possessed for days together. Demon possessed. Man, even in today's world, if, you're, if your child is demon possessed, there is nothing the medical science can do, right? You would be rolling in the dirt and there's nothing you can do. You can give antipsychotic drugs and you can do all kinds of things, but there's nothing you can do. And here's a woman, and I saw it in my spirit. I could see this girl, this woman begging the disciples, begging, please tell your master to heal my child. And the disciples are saying, please, Lord, do something, get rid of her. She's upsetting our ministry. <laughs> you send her away. And Jesus says, no, 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 I cannot help her. I cannot help her. And, and can you imagine if Jesus couldn't help her? There's nobody else her. And she would have lived with this demon-possessed situation. What her life. And the moment I started seeing it, I started crying in my quiet time, in my preparation time. I could start, I really, I really started, I was moved, genuinely moved. I started crying. And I said, and Jesus said, Anil, are you crying? Because you have mercy upon this woman? I said, yes, Lord. I mean, poor woman, she, her only daughter, and she's demon-possessed, and you're coming to her, and you're telling that, uh, I cannot give you anything. So Jesus said, are you trying to say that I do not have mercy upon her? I said, ho, 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 ho. I know you have mercy. But I'm saying is, Lord God, that is a sorry situation. But he said, Anil, what did I tell that woman? And uh, look, at, look at what he said. What did he say to him? It's not good. No, it's not good. Verse 28. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Wow. And God, God specifically told me. He said, Did I tell her great is your need? And therefore it should be done to you. I said, No, Lord, you didn't say great is your need. I am not moved by your need. And the intensity of your requirement, I am only moved by your faith. I was like, wow. You remember that in your life. Just because there is an intense need in your life, God is not moved. God is only moved by your faith. Amen? So go to God with faith. Don't go to God with pleadings. So let, me, let me repeat the sentence. Do not spend the days of your life in grief. Spend the days of your life in faith. Let me repeat and tell it to everybody you know who is grieving. Do not spend the days of your life in grief. Spend the days of your life in faith. Persist after God in faith and you will get it. So she walked in, she got a miracle and she walked back happy. Man, <coughs> she walked into a, a miracle that was not even meant for her. She got it because she persisted. I won't take no for an answer, Lord. I'm going to persist. Beyond the first question, beyond the first answer, I'm going to persist a little bit more. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to hang in there. So brothers and sisters, let me conclude. Do not miss your call. I want you to close with first Song of Solomon, verse 5. Song of Solomon, 
verse chapter 5 This is a classic example of Jesus at the at the door of a believer. Okay, I'm going to read from verses two to five <clears throat> and five and six. I want to, and I'm going to be close with that. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, "Open for me, my sister, my love." My dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken up okay, the robe. Okay, okay. You see the picture? The, the Shulamite is sleeping, correct? I'm sleeping, but my heart is awake. That means I'm half asleep. It is the voice of my beloved outside. He's knocking. He's saying, open to me, my sister, my love. My doll, my perfect one, my head is covered with dew. That means I'm out in the streets. And my locks with the drops of the night. I want to come in. Okay? Look at verse 3, 4. Yeah, Josh. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door. And my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved. And my hands dripped with myrrh. My hands with liquid myrrh. On the handles of the lock. Amen. Wow. Look at this situation. Her beloved is standing outside, waiting to come in. So what's what's she saying? I've taken off my robe. How can I put it again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile it? Now he's now she's starting to put myrrh on her hands. How can I open the handles with the myrrh? So what she does? She takes she waits and then verse 6 I opened for my beloved but, but my beloved, beloved was turned away and my, God. My, heart my heart leaped up and when he spoke I sought him but I could not find him I called him but he gave me no answer and she the watchmen who went about the city found me they struck me they wounded me the keepers of the walls they took my veil away from me I charge you, your daughters of Jerusalem if you find my beloved that you tell him I'm lousy. So what it is saying is, do not wait too long. You may not be ready. Your hair, your robes may not be on. But don't worry. Just go in and open. Right? When God calls you, when God tells you to do stuff, just obey. Just obey. Don't wait. Don't wait. Value God. Value God. And close with Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14 and 18. Remember the letter to the church of Laodicea? Revelation chapter 3 verse... The same verse is in that chapter. Revelation chapter 3 verse... You remember the church of Laodicea? How do you remember the church of Laodicea? The lukewarm church, right? The, the church that God, Jesus said, I know, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either cold or hot so you are because you are neither I am going to vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and become wealthy and in need of nothing and, and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked I counsel that you buy from me gold refined in the fire as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore therefore be zealous, zealous and repent. repent 
In verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Same, same passage, same picture. I always thought that Jesus was standing outside the door of an unbeliever. You know, interesting part is, he's standing outside the door of a believer who thinks that he's welcome. So he said, Billy, I'm standing outside the door and knock. I want you to be rich. Call me in. Come quickly. Get me before I turn away. Amen? So let it not be said of us that we will not let, that we will not wait, we will not wait for the Lord more. Amen? So, so wait, do not miss your beloved call. Persist a little more. When you think things are not happening, persist a little bit more. Stay a little longer. Hang in there a little bit more. Ask a little more. Pray a little more. Give a little more this year. Content. Content a little more this year. Content with God. Don't give up. Don't hang in there. Don't, don't, just, uh, don't just think that this is it. Go after God this year. You know, He is your Lord. He is your King this year. And he wants to be valued. He wants to be sought. He has not changed from generation to generation. But for the ones who would seek Him, He will come and dine with us. And you will see incredible things this year. If you would only value Him this year, a little bit more, a little more fasting, a little more praying, a little more not taking no for an answer, walk with Him, persist with Him, and He will be victorious. Let's pray. John, John, what do you Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Master. Father, we first of all thank you for your word, O Lord. Father, thank you for your word. You're a God who hides yourself. But you're not a God who will not be found. But you're a God who will be found when you seek you, Father, help us to know, Lord, that you are valued, O Master. Help us not to despise our inheritance and our prophecies, O Lord, and the promises that are upon our life. For your word says, Paul, Paul you, you talk to Paul, O Lord, do not despise prophecies. Father, we forgive us about our prophecies that have come upon us and we have despised them because they have not come to pass. We ask you forgiveness, O Jesus, for your word is true, O Lord. O Lord, it will come to pass in our life, O Lord, every good promise that you have said for us, O Master, help us to be eager to come after you, Jesus. To seek after you, to value you above everything of this world, O oh Lord. For we see with our spirit eyes that what we see in you is greater than everything that we see in our natural eyes. O oh Lord, that you are sufficient. You are almighty. You are all knowing. You have everything that we need, O oh Master. Away, our books away, and let us spend time with you, Jesus. For you are a true.
of great value for which he will sell our whole lives. Count us among the seven you have already called. Let us not be among the ones that are in the way or in the nation. Oh, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. Build them just like Jesus rebuked the church of Laodicea said, Get zeal for me. Get zeal for me. Father, I pray, oh Lord, that we will have zeal for you, oh Lord. Oh, every, every spirit of 